welcome to My IELTS Classroom, the podcast where two ex-examiners talk all themes IELTS. I'm Shelley Cornick. And I'm Nick Long. And today we are going to be discussing PPF. What is it? Why do we recommend that you do not use this method? And what other techniques can you use in speaking part two? Hello, Nick, how are you? Hello, I'm not too bad today. I'm very tired after a long hard work of uh, a long hard work, a long hard week of working. You have been working very hard the I last have, week. Yeah, I've got to be busy. honest. Mm. Yeah, I mean, when I sat down this morning and tried to think about what interesting things that I'd done this week, the most interesting thing was I updated my computer. <laughs> I bet yours is the same, isn't it? Yeah, I've not slept. done anything interesting. Cooked, slept, and worked. <laughs> yeah. Good, solid working week, Nick. That's mm-hmm. what we want, right? Um, well, yeah. I'm, I mean, it's a very sad situation that neither of us have anything very interesting to talk about at the beginning of this podcast because we've been working so hard. But that gives me an opportunity to ask everyone for some advice. I like asking for advice. Yesterday, when I had a problem, I actually had to call Apple to help me update because uh, I needed some advice. So what I would like to ask everybody listening is... A couple of months ago, in October, we updated our website, uh, completely redesigned everything, which I am very happy with, okay? There's a, you know, it's great. The new design looks fantastic. All of the interactive stuff, like the video play is better. Um, the playback functions are great. The only thing, Nick, that I regret in the update was that we lost our original logo. Yep. So the original logo was the words My IELTS Classroom in five colours. And because of the way that web design works, my programmers, who I love and designers, said, look, I think we should go with a solid colour. So they took away the multicolours and they made it like an orange speech bubble Mm -hmm. with the words My IELTS Classroom, same design and shape, so you can recognise it, but they're now in white. Mm -hmm. So listeners, this week... Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're actually going to um, update the blog so that it looks the same as the main website, right? Mm-hmm. So my, my progress are coming back for season two <laughs> of the update. And I want to know, should we ask them to change the orange My IELTS Classroom speech bubble somehow into a speech bubble with the multicolored My IELTS Classroom logo in it? I don't know why, Nick, this is keeping me awake at night. All I keep thinking about is, should we change the logo? Maybe none of you care. If you don't care, just email me and say, I don't care. That is equally as useful. But if anybody has any strong opinions about orange versus multicolour, could you please email us at hello at myieltsclassroom.com? I may also put a poll on our Facebook page. I've neglected the Facebook page, to be honest, this year, Nick. Mm. I've got to get back on it. So Mm -hmm. this will be the first step back tell us what you think so that you can um help me decide do we go back or do we stick nick what do you think orange or multicolored um i like the original logo but i don't know enough about web design to know if it will look good or not well, neither do i the, the web but the thing is at the end of the day it's our website isn't it it is and it's it's our logo so <laughs> it's our logo so even if the programmers go oh no no orange we can say well sorry mm-hmm. our students prefer the multicolor one so Yes, help me sleep at night, listeners. Tell me what you think. Um, But that's not what we're talking about today. Our uh, topic today is PPF. 
PDF. And I expect there's probably a lot of listeners, Nick, who are listening going, PP what? A PDF? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So why don't we start by explaining to people what PPF is? Why don't you do it, mate? What is PPF? PPF is past, present and future. Right. And it's some very strange technique that probably came from YouTube. um, That tell students in part two to make sure they use the past, the present and the future tense in their two minute speech. Perfect. And the first time I heard about this, I just assumed that the theory behind PPF was that a lot of students were unable to speak for a full two minutes. Mm -hmm. So by talking about the past, the present and the future, that would give them more material to speak for longer. Yeah. But as before we started recording, we were just chatting and you said you think there's probably another reason. I think it's, yeah, I think it's to, to try and get a high grammar score to show the grammatical range that we've right. talked about before. Which is so crazy, it never actually entered my head that you would do it in that way. Mm. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look at this PPF, we're going to explain how it works, we're going to explain why we don't think it's a very good technique... Mm-hmm. And we're going to give you some alternatives. But like everything, I think that I'm a fair person, right? I like to, every time I see something, I like to give it a fair go. So why don't we just have a quick look at how PPF could work if it was done properly without any mistakes? Okay. So should we toss a coin, Nick, to see who's going to do it? Do you want heads or tails? I'll go for tails. Tails never fails. <laughs> I always chose tails when I was the hockey captain. Oh, look, I've got a British 20 pence, Nick. Good. All right. Tails. Okay, it's heads. Okay. So, do you want to do it? Yeah, go on then. Or sh- or I'll try. I do it? I'll go for it. I'll try. All right. So, I've chosen a question. Now, this is really important, okay, because I chose a question that is a rare question I think this technique could work for. Really? Yeah. So, the question is... Um, Describe a toy or describe a favourite toy you played with as a child. Okay. Um, do I get a minute to prepare? <laughs> what do you think, listeners? I think no. <laughs> but we can. Well, edit it out. If you want a minute, you can take a minute. No, yeah. it's okay. Um, so okay. I don't even know what to say, really. I suppose the fa- one of one of the favourite toys that I played with when I was a child was... Um, Subutio, if you remember that. I had Subutio, yes, but I shouldn't be speaking. Yes, (laughs) So it was basically this, uh, it's like a rug, like a mat, which is a football pitch. And then you Mm -hmm. had to buy the players separately. Mm -hmm. Um, And basically you have two football teams and Mm -hmm. you can play alone if you want, Mm -hmm. or you can play against somebody. And the, the rules of the game is you're only allowed to flick the player Mm-hmm. with your index finger once and then the other person gets to do the same so you flick one player at one time i think mm-hmm. um not very good to be honest and quite awkward to play but it was a lot of fun when mm-hmm. i was a child uh after that there was like an another version of subutio which came out a little bit later where instead of how because the, the players were like standing on like a half a a sphere so they like Mm rocked from side to side and you could move them and then later another one came out where there were magnets the ball was magnetic and the players Mm -hmm. were stood on like a on like two cylinders which had a magnet in the middle and when you press Mm -hmm. the players down it would fire the ball 
Yeah, and that was much better. That was called Pro Action Football, and that was was really fun. Um, That's the past. Let's move to the present. Good luck. And do I have to talk about the same toy then, I guess? I guess so. I think that's the way the technique works, yeah. I, I don't play with this toy anymore. It's been in my parents' home in the loft for probably about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Future. I don't think I'll ever play with this toy again because I'm okay. 34 years old and I have no desire to play with it. <laughs> Nick, you have reignited in my whole memory banks. There's parts of my brain lighting up, remembering Sabutio. Mm-hmm. I used to love Sabutio. Okay, so you can see that maybe, maybe, maybe for, for a question that asks about your favourite something. Mm-hmm. You could talk about, I don't know, this one did ask you a favourite toy you played with as a child. So it actually specifically asked you to describe something in the past, Mm -hmm. right? So you could talk about the past and then you could say now, I don't know, it's difficult. I don't play with it anymore. I don't play with it anymore. You could describe another favourite toy. Now I prefer to play with Lego as a 34-year-old man, right? (laughs) And in the future... You could make some sort of prediction about whether or not you're going to play with the toy. I mean, you can already see that there are problems with this yeah, technique. Yeah, definitely. I do think, though, if it was a favourite book, mm. something like that might be a bit better. Because you could maybe say, you know, my favourite book today is mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, although when I was, you know, you could describe that. You could say, actually, when I was a child, I was much more into. And then mm. you could describe another type of book. Yeah. Again, though, I have no idea. You know, in the future, I hope to read more. You could sort of. Crime novels. Crime novels. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe, maybe, just maybe, for a favourite question, Mm -hmm. this technique could work. But you can see that the past and the present, depending on the question, can work. It's the future for me. Yeah, it's... Because I could could have continued talking about the past there for way more than two minutes. Just talking about... This is the point. I had to interrupt you to Mm -hmm. remind you Mm -hmm. to move... Oh, come on, move to the present. Whereas you were actually very happy describing your Subutio set Mm -hmm. and how it played and where you played it. So that was just to show you how it could work. Yeah. Right. Now, as you said, Nick, I'm on, to be perfectly honest, I think I know where this technique comes from. It does come from someone who's quite popular on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I haven't watched the video. So I'm not sure if the idea is that you talk about the same thing in the past, the present or the future, Mm. or you change things. Mm -hmm. But I guess the idea is that you're trying to get those three times into your response. So my first major criticism or the reason that I just do not like this technique is that there are some cards which just naturally do not let you speak about three times. Mm -hmm. So you were able to just about do that for your favourite one. But if we think about, you know, what are the most common types of cue cards, Nick? Usually it's past questions. Yeah, I mean, I'd say if you look at, you know, the the two packs that the examiners get each, every three to six months, Mm -hmm. over half of the questions are asking you to talk about a specific past event, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Um. So for many of those past cards, to then talk about the present and the future just does not make sense. Um, So I'm thinking about, you know, reported questions from the current packs, um, a time when you had to wait in a long line of people or a queue. Mm -hmm. Okay, so can you think of an an occasion like that off the top of your head? Oh, yeah, there's loads. Supermarket, Disneyland. 
Disneyland would be yeah. a good one. Mm-hmm. So let's imagine that you start talk, talking about the time that you went to Disneyland, you know, you mm-hmm. could give some nice background information. You, you wanted to yeah. go for years. Mm-hmm. You were really excited. But the queue for the, I don't know, was it Magic Kingdom? Something like that, yeah. The queue for it, it's a small world, was over two hours long mm-hmm. and it was really boring. Your dad waited in the queue, right? That is asking you about a specific past event. Mm-hmm. How on earth could you talk about now? Well, now I only queue for 10 minutes at the supermarket. I haven't <laughs> queued for two hours in quite a long time. I mean, it's, I'm not saying it's impossible to talk about now. I'm it just saying sounds rubbish, it, though, doesn't it? It just is illogical <laughs> and it, it makes no sense. And then to say, in the future, I hope that I don't have to queue as much as I do now. I mm-hmm. mean, it's like you've got brain damage. It just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, really. Um, yeah, I mean, also, like, an occasion when you... I think for me it's the future, actually. An occasion when you ate something for the first time. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to imagine... I, 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 if I had this card, I'd mm. probably talk about... Um, you know that Russian drink, kefir? Mm-hmm. If you're not Russian, Horrible. it's like... It's like a... It's the texture of yogurt. Mm-hmm. It's sour. But it, but sour. It tastes like milk that's gone bad. The first mm-hmm. time somebody gave it to me, I took a mouthful. I kind of spat it back in the glass and said, Oh, sorry, mate, that's gone off. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, no, that's what it should taste like, right? So I could definitely talk about the first time that I had kefir, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, because I hated it then. But actually, I don't mind it now, Nick. I quite like it. Oh, wow. Yeah, after Braver 10 years, maybe me. my taste books have changed. May taste buds have changed. Maybe I could say, actually, now, mm-hmm. I don't mind the taste of yeah. kefir. I've grown used to it, and it's good. That would be logical. And Yeah, that that would be logical, and that would be natural as well. And it just, it doesn't make sense to talk about the past and then, you know, how something's changed and then say, I hope to try more Russian food in the future. It just... The fu- I think it's the future yeah, one that, it is that drives future. me crazy. Yeah. yeah. And again, that, you know, if I if I tried to make it in the past and didn't like it, but liked it now, it makes sense to, like, it's logical and it's natural to mm-hmm. talk about now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the Q one, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Q one, it's got... Talking about now makes no sense. Like, if you went to Disneyland once as a child... Why would you need to talk about now? You wouldn't. Or you could maybe say something, and now I really hate queuing or something like that because of that experience. I mean, if you were desperate for five more seconds. But I think what worries me about this technique is Mm -hmm. that students are being told that they must talk about these tenses. Mm -hmm. And I always, you know... The best thing you can do, I think, in the two minutes, and the students that I saw as an examiner who performed the best, mm. were the students who just sat down and told me a story. Yeah, exactly. They were just naturally mm-hmm. saying, okay, I'm mm. going to tell you about the time I had to queue for a long time in Disneyland, da 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 and then it finishes. And I would say the, that's not only good because it's natural, it's good because you're not overloading your brain. No. True. You you don't want to be, as you're telling your past story, thinking, oh my goodness, how, how am I going to How can I change it to the future? How am I going to... And what about... Uh, yeah, what about the present? Like, that is putting so much stress on you. Mm-hmm. For no reason, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, so I would say past cards almost never allow you to talk about the future and very often don't even allow you to talk about the present. Mm-hmm. So that's 50% of the cards. Yeah. Um, People cards as well, Nick, right? Mm-hmm. Describe the most polite person that you know. <laughs> that's a current cue card topic. So that's asking about somebody that you know now. Mm. 
I think it would be very natural, mm-hmm. and we encourage this, don't we? You know, when what yeah. we like, what's the main mistake that people make when they describe a person? So the main the main mistake is that people just just try to use as many adjectives as possible, right? Without and actually saying describing why they think this person is friendly or super polite or you know. yeah. And it takes a lot of adjectives to talk for two minutes. It's almost right? impossible. So <laughs> it's exactly. So we always encourage you know, if you be if you are asked to describe a person. Mm-hmm. I think we discussed this when we looked at cue cards a couple of months ago. Definitely give those adjectives. Mm-hmm. Definitely say you know why this person is polite, but then give some kind of example mm-hmm. or anecdote to highlight which, that to, to highlight it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to illustrate it because. Anecdotes and stories are easy mm-hmm. because they're real and you'll be able to talk for 45 seconds a minute without a problem mm-hmm. um, and easy to extend. Definitely the politest person you know. You may want to say, you know, my friend John is definitely the politest person that I know. He always puts other people's feelings first. Mm-hmm. For example, when we were at university, you may want to give a specific example from, from the past. The past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what you don't want to be doing is, go, is I don't know, saying like, the politest person I know now is John. In the past, it was Mary. <laughs> I can see where this technique could go very wrong <laughs> very quickly if you're focusing on time, not on focusing on just answering mm-hmm. the question. The politest person that I will know in the future is my son, because I'll make him be polite. <laughs> yeah, I'll beat him until he's polite. Exactly. Um, one particular question I saw... Um, that was reported recently, which I thought this PPF method would be a complete disaster for, would be an old friend that you made contact with again after a long time. Mm. I just don't really know how you would begin to do the PPF with that. I suppose you could maybe say, and I hope we we ho- I hope we manage to see each other more often in the future. Right. So it seems like this future is just some concluding comment. Yeah, but you can't really go into much detail about it, can you? I hope in the future I meet more old friends who can find me on Facebook. I mean, okay. I don't like to be sarcastic, but I just feel like this technique, which looks pretty simple, Mm. is just really not very useful. It's making stuff more complicated than it needs to be. It's making so much more complicated. Plus, if you actually think about it, you know, if we think about what you said at the beginning about, okay, why would you use this technique? Mm. You know, you said maybe it's to show off a range of grammar. Mm -hmm. Well, my argument against that would be you have had the whole of section one, the whole of part one of the speaking test. Mm Mm-hmm is basically designed to test your tenses, isn't it? Yep. Um, You know, in any... What do we call them? What do we call them, Nick? I've forgotten. What are they called, those groups of four... Frames. Yeah. (laughs) In any frame of four questions, there is always a mix of tenses. There's usually always one past question, one present question, maybe a present perfect, and then usually some... A will or a would, usually, isn't it? Yeah, some future or would question for Mm -hmm. hypothetical, right? So... Testing tenses is already built into the exam, mm-hmm. and in part three as well, making predictions. That's it's, true. It's kind of you well. kind of speaking about the future. Yeah, aren't you? that is true. Right. So I I would say tenses are already built in mm-hmm. to the test. More importantly, I was thinking about this yesterday. Is that I don't know about you, Nick, but let's for example say that we're marking writing. Mm-hmm. Like we've got an essay in front of you. Do you specifically look for spelling? Not really. No. 
The thing about spelling is that you only notice it when it's bad. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Same I'd say with articles. Like whenever a student uses a or an or the correctly, I don't notice that because mm-hmm. it's just la la la, everything's in the right place. It's mm-hmm. just when they're using them in the wrong places or they're missing that I think, mm. oh, wait a minute. This is a mistake. That's missing. Yeah. Right. So I would say in a strange way, like spelling and articles, they don't really give you positive points. Mm-hmm. They, they are just kind of like negative things which can take away from your score if they're bad. Yep. I think in the same way, I don't know about you, but when I was doing speaking exams, tense for me would be similar. Yeah, you don't notice unless there's a mistake, do you? Exactly. Like when a student's just talking using the past simple or the present perfect, those are kind of, to be honest, pretty basic skills, aren't they, that we mm-hmm. expect... Students who are a six and above to be able to show us naturally. Yeah, without any problems. Without any problems. So I only notice tense when the students make a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, if a student says, I have been to the cinema last year, mm-hmm. eh, present perfect with a past time, no, 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 no. So using this method, all you're going to be doing is showing the examiner some tenses, mm-hmm. which to be perfectly honest, are not really the main factor for a score of seven or above for grammar, are they? No. We're looking for complex sentences. So (laughs) using all these tenses, all you're doing is giving yourself more of an opportunity to make an error Mm -hmm. and for the examiner to think, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 that was the wrong future there. Mm -hmm. Or they've used the wrong past tense. And it is interesting for me, isn't it, that like even really good students can have problems with past tenses. They can, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking in particular, we had a great student from Hong Kong who was basically fluent, but he had a real issue using has and have in the mm-hmm. past. He always said has and have instead of had. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day before his test, I prayed, "Do let's hope that he does not get a past cue card. <laughs> so my point would be, if you're given a cue card that asks you to describe, I don't know, like your favorite habit or your favorite book now, mm. why put yourself under pressure? Mm-hmm. To add the past tenses mm-hmm. when you don't well, need yeah. to, right? So I just think from just a logical perspective, it's kind of crazy to add that stress of adding tenses when tenses are not what we're looking for anyway. Mm-hmm. We do not have some bingo card of tenses where we're like, oh, <laughs> present he's used perfect, them all. Correct. <laughs> correct. Future simple. Oh, correct. <laughs> yes. Present continuous. Line. House. Right? Doesn't work like no that. Way. No No. So in, in a way, if you think that tenses are grammar, I think you're on the wrong path anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I would also say is you said before that it kind of sounds unnatural. Yeah. Would you say that, you know, if a student was asked to describe, you know, something in the past mm. and they spent a third of the time making a prediction in the future, would, do you think that's on topic or off topic? I would say 90% of the time it's going to be off topic right i mean it really depends what the student says and how they sort of develop their idea mm-hmm. and where the natural conversation goes but uh-huh. i think as an examiner for me it was always really easy to tell when somebody was trying too hard and when somebody was trying to usually it would be with like transition signals yeah or with complex grammar and the same if i heard past present and future and i noticed it in part yeah. two, then I knew the student was trying to do some kind of technique. And, yeah. you know, fluency and coherence, 
one of the main things in that is that um, topic development is relevant. Mm-hmm. And if I'm noticing this, this, this isn't right. This sounds strange. Yeah, then it's probably not relevant, and you're basically limiting what you can get by right. tra- by using this technique. This is what I think. I mean, it's not going to stop you getting a seven. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I would say for the student who's an eight, if they'd spent the last 30 seconds mm-hmm. doing some very generic sentences, like, mm-hmm. you know, in the future, I really hope that I will be able... I may just think, mm, I don't know. It doesn't mean that you can't get an eight, but it means I'm going to really push that student in part three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, just in general, I just feel like this whole technique is... It's just not worth it. No. It's it's not very natural. It puts a lot of pressure on particularly lower level students whose tenses might not be great yep. to make more mistakes. Um, and I just think if you're using this, you're putting your energy and effort into the wrong direction. Definitely. Because mm-hmm. what you should just be doing is putting your energy and effort into asking, answering the questions. Mm-hmm. Now, that said, there are times when you know, there are some subjects where it is hard to keep talking for two minutes, mm-hmm. right? And I understand that you may not be able to keep going on just that main theme yeah. for that two minutes. But instead of doing PPF, so instead of then switching tense and time, mm. what do we recommend as a better alternative, Nick? Speaking about a second idea or a second thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that for me would be far easier because once you switch you know, if you've been talking about queuing at Disneyland mm-hmm. and then you might want to say oh and another time I had to stand in a really long queue it just, when I, it's um, much more natural isn't it to do that yeah it was yeah. when I applied for my visa and then you can talk about you've got all of the visa queuing story then so mm-hmm. you've got this whole pool of new information um, whereas when you change time all you've got is a different time which might not change what you're talking about yeah so I definitely would say, rather than focusing on past, present, future, if you do run out of ideas, switch to a second thing. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, if as I said, you know, whereas the favourite thing, whereas saying, you know, okay, this is my favourite book now, in the past it was X, why not say, oh, another book that I really love now mm-hmm. exactly. is. Yeah. If you want to talk about one you loved in the past, of course you can. Mm-hmm. But my point is you shouldn't limit yourself. No to changing the tense um that would definitely be the best thing for me and then i would say the other thing is if you're consistently 15 or 20 seconds short so if you're not speaking for long enough usually in my experience that's because you're not giving enough details Mm -hmm. so really really imagine forget that you're in an exam imagine that you are telling an examiner a real story, right? Mm. They don't know your life. They don't know the people that you're talking about. The more background information Definitely. you can give, mm-hmm. the more details, the more it feels like it's a story which flows and I am left with no questions, <laughs> the better, I'd mm-hmm. say. Yeah. So for me, PPF, I like it when teachers try and come up with an idea which is which helps students and is simple. Mm-hmm. I think this has become popular because it sounds simple. Yeah. But for me, the reality in practice is that for 95% of the the questions, it just doesn't work because there's no future. And also, it's pointless because even if you do manage to talk about the past, the present and the future, I don't think you've gained anything in terms of grammar score unless you've used lots of nice complex sentences Mm -hmm. along with those tenses. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you want to add, Nick? 
I, ju- I just think, yeah, I've I heard it in exams when I was an examiner a couple mm-hmm. of times. And it is one of those things, like normally when I used to sit down for part two, like you, of course, you have different level levels of students. Mm-hmm. But this people who use this technique or other techniques which are similar, they always really stuck out. And usually it was students who weren't quite a seven, I would say. Right. It's yeah, usually it's, used mm-hmm. by weaker students. Mm-hmm. Um, well, good, good students, but students who are trying to like move up to that higher level, which is not easy. Yeah. It, it, using some simple technique. I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not going to do it, is it? No. Just just like adding more over and, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. It just yeah. it doesn't work. I mean, it's a shame because, I mean, you also used to get very high-level students who'd done no preparation. Mm-hmm. And they're the other side. And you'd think, oh, mate, if you'd have just, even at home, tried to speak for two minutes, you would know mm-hmm. that what you've just said is nowhere near long enough. Yep. <laughs> so I love it that students are trying to find ways to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, you may want to take half of this. You may just want to think about the present and the past just, just to help yourself extend. Mm-hmm. But I would say focus just on doing what you can to talk for two minutes naturally. Yeah. Whether or not it's using two tenses, whether or not it's talking about two items, whether or not it's giving more details, it doesn't really matter. We're not looking for anything in particular, are we? We're just judging your fluency, your pronunciation, your lexis and your grammar. Mm -hmm. And tenses are a very small part of grammar. Very small part of that. Mm. Hello, my name's Michael. I study with my IELTS classroom because it has every aspect of the English grammar that is needed for the IELTS exam. Hey, I'm Raman from India. I chose to study with my IELTS classroom because uh, they are experts and uh, funny as well. I bet you will never get bored. I study with my IELTS classroom because the lessons are really engaging and fun. And in my opinion, the course is the best one out there on the internet. Okay, so have we persuaded you? I don't know. Email us, let us know. Maybe you still think it's the best technique. If you do, that's great. Tell me why. Um, I thought what we could do though, Nick, as I as I was researching this um, episode, I went and had a look at, because, you know, the speaking packs changed, didn't they, on the 1st of January. So there is a new bunch of 25 questions. Ooh. So I had a look on my trusted Chinese website, I managed to find (laughs) what I think are, I mean, obviously they're not word for word correct, right? But I've managed to find what I think are the current cue card topics. And I had a look through them. As always, there are, you know, the same things that come up again and again, similar Mm -hmm. topics. But there were some new ones here or some ones that I thought could be quite tricky Mm. if you've only got a minute to prepare. Yep. So... Uh, I thought we'd just have a quick look at them together and maybe give suggestions to the type of things um, that people could talk about Mm -hmm. or ways that they could talk for longer that's not PPF. Yes. Right? So the first one is a time. This is hard. A time when you had to (laughs) listen to someone talking, but you weren't very interested. Mm. Well, I don't know about you, Nick, but I guess my first initial idea that comes up when I think about this is school or university. Yes, exactly. School, university or work, for sure. Oh, I'd, work, like a meeting mm-hmm, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a work meeting or, or, yeah, like a staff meeting. That's good. So, yeah, I mean, I would say quite specific. Mm-hmm. So, it is. 
Yeah. You'd need to come up with something quite specific. Yeah, I think my one would be if you spoke about a school subject or a university topic that you didn't like, mm-hmm. you've got a lot of scope to talk about why you didn't like that topic. Exactly, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It was difficult. It wasn't very useful for you. The lecturer was boring. You like, can you put can in a, a lot of anecdotes as well there, couldn't you? You could. And what did you used to do to when you To pass the time, yeah. Yeah. I used to, like, plug in my headphones and listen mm-hmm. to a podcast. Or I used to draw pictures. Like, I think if you can think about the background of where you were that's what will allow you to talk I think Mm -hmm. Um, although I like Nick I hadn't thought about a work meeting but I think that could be very good as well because you could do talk a lot about the project that you were working on or why you didn't like your boss or something I would probably talk about when I used to work at Pizza Hut (laughs) right because we used to we used to have staff meetings on a Saturday morning so usually the restaurant would open at 12 so nobody really started work before 11 yeah but when we had a staff meeting we had to go in at nine. Oh, and what? Yeah. On a Saturday? On a Saturday, everybody, like everybody who worked in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And they used to do, like, they used to cook a ton of pizzas and starters. And we weren't allowed to eat anything until the staff meeting had finished. So you would just be hearing your boss talking about hitting targets and all this nonsense and stuff like while that. While you stare while at the, the pizza. pizza's going cold. And I was just thinking, please, <laughs> let us go and have our breakfast. <laughs> okay, that's amazing. Also, if you want to go back to that, listen to how Nick used used to and would mm-hmm. to talk about some past habits really mm-hmm. naturally. Right, that's really good language. Okay, so that's a great example. Right, number two, I... I mean, maybe this is just me, right? Mm -hmm. A photograph of yourself that you like. Mm. It's a hard one, yeah. I mean, it depends. I suppose it depends on how self-confident you are. Right. If you're a very photogenic person who loves taking selfies, this could be the perfect question for you. You could talk for hours about this, wouldn't you? Yeah, about how great you look, how the Mm -hmm. light's great. How, yeah, if you're someone like me, this would be a disaster. So if you're not a photogenic person who's self-confident and likes their photo taken, what advice could we give? What could be an easy way to keep on talking if you don't want to talk about yourself? I think you could probably talk about, you can definitely talk about more than one photo here. A hundred percent you could talk you about could more use, than one you photo. Could, you could maybe yeah. even say like, there aren't actually any photos of me that I like and there is a couple that I don't like. For example, yeah. and this is why I don't like it. You could. I, I always think describing why a topic's difficult for you is a good way to start mm-hmm. if you don't like it. I think my trick for this question would be, forget about yourself. Think about some... I, I would probably just think about a holiday that I went on mm-hmm. where I did something really amazing like bungee jumping or climbed a mountain or canoed or just had a family reunion, for example. Yeah. And then I would describe that and talk about the photo that you took at and the talk end about, you know, something. so I love the photo because it reminds me of that day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I probably start by saying, I'm going to, the photo I love is the photo of me on top of Mount Everest. It's a great <laughs> photo because it was really hard to climb Mount Everest. And then I talk about climbing Mount Everest mm-hmm. and not about the photo. Yep. So I think that would be a good trick for that one. If you're, if you don't really like ph- photography or taking pictures. Um, yeah. Talk about the experience, not the photo. Mm-hmm. What about, a time when you saw a young child behaving badly in a public place. <laughs> this one would actually be really, really easy for me, but I can s- I can see why. I used to work in a restaurant, so mm. the children behaving badly was was a very common thing. <laughs> I just think this is such a specific. 
mm-hmm. life experience. It kind of reminds me of that one where it was describe a time when you heard someone talking loudly on the phone in public. Right. What if you've never heard somebody? Yeah. It's really, really specific, isn't it, this one? I, yeah. Although, funny enough, the only time I can remember Nick was, I mean, it was a bad situation. It was just after my mother died. And I went in, I went in, we went to my sister to the town. I remember I went into River Island to buy a shirt. Mm-hmm. And I came out and my niece was on the floor, like, screaming. And my sister, like, was shouting at the top of her voice at some old man who must have said to my sister, like, why can't you keep that child under control? <laughs> and with the emotion of it, my sister had lost it. And I had to, like, go in between them and separate them. I oh, thought wow. she was going to, like, take him down. Um, so maybe if we've both got experiences of a young child behaving badly, maybe everybody has. I think you can probably remember a time when you behaved badly as a child in public. That was what I was going to say. Yeah. Well done. You've reminded me. Is that if you can't remember seeing another young child you could talk about yourself behaving badly mm-hmm. or, you, you or would, a brother or sister at least anyway yeah you'd need to say though i'm going to be honest i i i don't really remember having this experience but i do remember myself behaving badly mm-hmm. if you did that at the beginning that would be no problem yeah as long as you explain to the examiner that you understood what the question was just give some context basically and you're just going to change it slightly mm-hmm. right now we come to the two strangest ones. I don't know if, they was, <laughs> if they've been smoking drugs at Cambridge in the last couple of months, but the next couple, this one's like a logic pro- problem. A person's home you visited that you liked, mm-hmm. but you would not want to live in. Yeah, this is a weird one, isn't it? I, I mean, what do you think? I think this is probably going to be... I think another way to look at this question would be describe a time that you visited someone's house in the countryside that you liked. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. 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 You basically, I mean, the good thing about this is we've all visited other people's homes. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And we probably all know somebody with a house that we would like. Mm-hmm. And I think you've hit the nail on the head that the easiest thing to say would be the location of it. Yeah. So it could be in the countryside. It could be in a city, which is like just another city mm-hmm. that's away from your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It doesn't, the, it doesn't necessarily doesn't really have matter. to be about the house, does it? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's, not that, it's not that the house is too small. I mean, it could be that the house is yeah, too small be. for you and mm-hmm. your large family. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be that it's an apartment and there's nowhere you can park your car. I mean, the reason that you don't want to live in it is really inconsequential. Really. <laughs> it's a weird question, isn't it? It is a weird question. I would think, you know, focus on describing the home, why you went there, why you liked it. Mm-hmm. And then I think location is the best, like you've just said. Yeah. If it's remote. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do need, though, like all describing a home. And even in, you know, the first set of questions yeah. you're speaking, do you live in a, ho- a house or an apartment? Mm-hmm. You really do need some vocabulary to be able to describe mm-hmm. your house. Maybe we should do an episode about that, Nick. Mm, we could. We could do an episode about the first two questions with some... Uh, yeah, we could, actually, the... with some good Lexis. Yeah. Ooh, I should put a list, Put that, add that to the list of future podcast episodes. <laughs> all right. So if that one's difficult, but... If you just don't panic about the second half of the question, it's not actually as difficult as it looks. Mm-hmm. The last question is just madness. Yeah. A person who wears clothes that you think are unusual. <laughs> well, I suppose one good thing is unusual is in the eye of the beholder. Right. So you can just, you know, what you can basically say 
anything is unusual because it's your opinion, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. I mean, our poor student, one of our poor students got this question a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And he's a lovely 35-year-old man Mm -hmm. who probably doesn't even think about the clothes he wears, Mm -hmm. let alone if he's got friends whose clothes are unusual. And also... This is very, very Lexis specific, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is a real vocabulary question. Be- because how can you describe why clothes are unusual unless you've got particular words? Mm-hmm. You know, what words would you? I mean, I don't know, Nick. I don't know what you think is unusual before. <laughs> if you were going to describe someone, you know, what Lexis would you need? Do you think? Well, you need stuff like baggy or loose or tight or you know, right. So uh, it could be the shape of the clothes, mm-hmm. right? Like they're baggy. Loud. I, I was thinking. I was thinking of the colours, like loud, garish, mm-hmm. luminous. Do you mm-hmm. remember luminous socks? Yeah. Like those really bright socks? I used to love them. But if you don't have those words, mm-hmm. I don't even know how you could paraphrase. Yep. I mean, you could actually, loose and baggy, you could say he wears jeans which are very, very big. Mm-hmm. But then you'd have to understand they fall down. Yeah. But how can you talk about that for two minutes? I don't know. I just think if I was an examiner and I saw that on my list of questions... I don't know if I'd ask it, which is wrong because you're not supposed to use your own personal judgment because mm-hmm. every student is different. But that to me just seems very, very difficult. Yeah. I don't like that question oh. at all. No. <laughs> no. So if you're sitting the test um, in the next few months, you might want to think about a person who wears clothes that you think are unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared. And, use, and be vocab. prepared. Mm-hmm. Do your dictionary. Maybe we can add that to the... Um, when people do like a difficult vocab lesson. But, you know, this is what it comes down to is that there is definitely an element of luck in the arts test. You know, you can't predict your essay question. You can't predict your cue card question. Most of the time, though, you know, I was always quite surprised that I would look personally at cue card questions when I was, you know, flicking through the book as an examiner and I would think, oh, that one's difficult, that one's easy. <laughs> but sometimes it surprised me. Yeah. The ones the ones that I thought, well, no one's going to want to talk about that. Sometimes it was like the perfect question for a student and not for me. So it's difficult to tell. Maybe you are a clothes lover or a fashion <laughs> freak um, and that would be easy. But no, it does seem difficult. All right. So they are five current questions. Be prepared. Um, I hope you found this episode useful if you're still listening that probably means that you did um and if you like this we actually did a couple of episodes the middle of last year about in particular how to tackle cue cards mm-hmm. um we did one about different techniques including talking about two things yep. giving background details how to look at different types of cue cards past ones people ones um and then in the next episode we actually listened to some of our students attempting some cue cards mm-hmm. and gave feedback. Um, it's a very popular episode. So if you haven't listened to that, you go to podcast.myartsclassroom.com or just blog.myartsclassroom.com. You can find the episode there in our history, right? If you just click on speaking, mm-hmm. you'll find it very quickly or podcast. Um, but yeah, that's it for today, Nick, I think. Excellent. Yes. Uh, what are we going to talk about next week? I know what we're going to talk about next week. Ooh. Next week, I'm going to publish... Uh, 20 new reported letter questions Mm -hmm. so the essay questions are already up so if you want to look at the 50 essay questions from January 2021 they're already on the blog but next week we will look at some of the letter questions which I will publish this week 
So on the face of it, this looks like a classic um, IELTS job application yeah. letter, right? Mm-hmm. We get loads of those. But I do think this one is different. If you just have a look at that, Nick, what, what just strikes you? What's different about this compared to a usual IELTS job application letter? Mm. Oh, it doesn't actually tell you what the job is. Exactly. Uh, right? Tricky. It says, yeah, it says it's a volunteer job working with children, but you're going to have to define what that job is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes this question tricky. So that's what we'll be discussing in the next episode. To make sure you don't miss it, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play or any podcast provider. And we'll see you next week. My IELTS Classroom podcast is a production of My IELTS Classroom Limited. Nick and I do not represent IELTS and everything you heard in this episode is our own personal opinion. You can find the show notes and transcript for this episode on our blog. That's blog.myieltsclassroom.com. And if you're looking for our video courses, speaking lessons and marking service, you can find that at www.myieltsclassroom.com. If you have a question or query or just want to chat, you can email Nick and I at hello at myieltsclassroom.com. Our theme music is by Heartbeat and our artwork is produced by David Brown. Have a great week, study hard and remember... This is my IELTS classroom. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.